Hello, this is Alex Granados, Senior Reporter for Education NC, and you're listening to Ed Talk. Today, we're talking with Shirley Prince. She is the Executive Director of the North Carolina Principals and Assistant Principals Association, also known as NC Papa. Shirley, thank you for being here today. Thank you for inviting me. So I'm having you talk with us here today so that um, we can kind of look at the state of principals in North Carolina. There's been a lot of movement in the last few General Assembly sessions in regards to principal preparation, principal pay, and all sorts of things. Um, perhaps most notably in the most recent long session, uh, they completely redid the principal pay schedule and that includes uh, raises for, for many principals. So can you kind of talk a little bit about what we saw this last General Assembly session? Sure. Um, well, as you know, for uh, there, there was a study group that met early on and prior to the legislative session that identified that we had a severe problem with our principal uh, compensation system and uh, we were looking for solutions and uh, looking for really just better pay for principals. Our North Carolina principals are very underpaid when compared to their national counterparts. Um, we were 50th in the nation, as a matter of fact, so we had a dire situation. Uh, the General Assembly uh, put a significant amount of new funding into increasing principal compensation, uh, $35 million, and um, for the first year that'll go up to over $40 million the second year. And so we're very thankful for that, um, that amount of funding uh, going into principal pay. The actual pay plan itself is um, is sort of a mixed bag. It, it really depends on uh, where you are as a principal in your career and also what kind of school you lead as to whether or not you will be pleased with this pay plan. The, the pay plan, um, we advocated for a, a tiered system whereby you would have uh, assistant principals being paid a percentage differential above what they would be paid as a teacher, and then principals being paid another differential above what they would get paid as an assistant principal, and also an opportunity to earn performance bonuses. Our, our preference was taken up for assistant principals. Our assistant principals will get a, a nice differential from teacher to assistant principal. Uh, however, for principals, a, a totally revamped system was put into place that was disconnected from the AP, the assistant principal salary, and also the teacher salary. So, as I said, Alex, it's, it's a mixed bag. If you are a, uh, a principal with many years of experience, you will see little to no increase because the new pay plan for principals eliminates any, any uh, recognition of experience. However, there are some strengths to the plan that was enacted. It was uh, certainly much preferred to what was being discussed, which was a block allotment pro approach, which we knew would be a real problem. And also the, the school size as a factor in determining pay was also maintained, which we were happy about that. 
the the pay plan because it does not recognize experienced experienced principals really favors early to mid-year career, uh, career principals who were frankly grossly underpaid we had over 40 percent of our principals that were still on step one of the salary schedule so that was just a real problem but there are some areas where the pay plan could be improved in our opinion one is that the hold harmless is just for one year and we want to make sure that that hold harmless provision is extended for as long as it needs to be also the longevity was eliminated for both principals and assistant principals which created a situation where um, principals who have been around a while got used to getting that longevity and now it has been eliminated the other problem that we see with the pay plan is that many principals will make less per month than their assistant principals will be making especially if the principal has years of experience under his or her belt they will fare better on the assistant principal salary schedule or maybe even the teacher salary schedule so one of the problems with the previous pay plan we find with this new pay plan has really not been fully addressed because we are still having to revert to the provision for many of our principals uh, the provision that allows them to be paid on either an assistant principal or a teacher salary schedule if the pay for the monthly pay for that those schedules is more than they would make as, as a principal but that provision remains yes is that correct yes that provision does remain and um, basing a salary on uh, a growth measure as this new pay plan is 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 built upon is somewhat problematic because it creates an inconsistent and unpredictable um, it, it just creates an unpredictable uh, salary schedule for these principals so they don't have a consistent salary that they can really count on and so that that's another concern that we're hearing in the field that they're concerned about what do they do when they go to apply for home mortgages or that sort of thing uh, it's the, because their salary will fluctuate or has the potential to fluctuate year to year and can I kind of just break in on a, a couple of the things that you mentioned there um, in, in regards to what you were just talking about uh, on the new principal salary schedule they could get a different salary depending on whether the school uh, meets growth exceeds growth doesn't meet growth and so you know theoretically the school could do one of those one year and could exceed growth one year and then only meet growth the exactly. other year in which case their salary would change exactly um, and I also wanted to mention you mentioned the hold harmless if people don't know what that means basically that means since there's a switch in the salary schedule um, people who pe people are basically told that they will not make less than they did under the previous salary schedule even if 
it looks like they might because of the way the new salary schedule is constructed. That's correct, yes. Um, so the basing a salary on a, a growth measure, as I said, is unpredictable. And in some of the smaller schools, uh, for example, a smaller high school, the performance of one teacher can sometimes shift the entire growth measure for that school. So it creates a, a, a very volatile, if you, if you want to call it that, situation for a principal, not knowing from year to year what he or she will, will be able to earn in that role. A problem also is that except for a few pilot programs that are going on across the state, the vast, vast majority of teachers, their salaries will not be based on a growth measure. So really the only person in the school who will benefit salary-wise when the school performance grows um, is, is the principal. And that really creates uh, a dynamic there that can can at times be somewhat dysfunctional if you if you get what I'm saying, mm -hmm. and um, so we're very concerned about that aspect of it, um, and and principals may be reluctant to be moved to struggling schools because as we know it takes a minimum a minimum of of three years mostly usually five years to really turn around. A struggling school and if pay is based on the performance of a school a, a principal might be very reluctant to go from a school where he or she has had success to a school that is struggling so we see that as somewhat of a of a problem an unintended consequence of this this pay plan on the brighter side though as I said it's a, it's a significant amount of new funding being uh, injected into the pay plan, much-needed funding. And we are seeing, uh, or predicting rather, that about 75% of our principals will really benefit significantly from this new pay plan. And that is because the uh, growth measure, the, the statistical formula, that is used for the growth measure will always have about 25% of, um, of the school's exceeding growth, about 25% of them not meeting growth, and about 50% uh, in the middle somewhere meeting growth. So you're going to have about, as I said, about 75% of the principals who will see some significant increases uh, using this growth measure. But the other side of the coin of that is that because the formula is really based upon a distribution, you're always going to have winners and losers. You are always going to have around 25% of your schools that will not meet growth. And so that, that, that is bothersome to some people when they think about um, that sort of a concept being built into a pay schedule. Mm -hmm. that, that, is, that is 
uh, bothersome to many people. So some of the things that we want to work on for um, the next session is we would like to uh, continue to add funding to the, the school-based administrator base pay to at least move the average of North Carolina principals to the average of the southeastern United States. That, that's a goal that we have. And, and do you have any sense with the, the current, well, with the new principal pay schedule, where that puts us in rankings? Um, I, I really don't yet, Alex, because we need to wait until um, the growth data comes out mm -hmm. and we actually see what the average pay is for all North Carolina principals after that growth measure has been applied. Um, I would predict, though, that we it, it will not move us significantly up that ranking because we were so low in comparison to many of the other southeastern United uh, southeastern states in the nation so it's not going to move us that much uh, even though we will be moving from an average of about 64,000 to an average of about 71,000, at least that's what the fiscal people uh, calculated, then you know, it still will not move us to the middle of the pack of the southeastern states. So that's something that we, we need to continue to work on to get uh, additional funding phased into this pay plan to um, move us further up in the ranking so that our principals will be more competitive with other states, comparable states. We also want to add some recognition of experience as a factor in the principal-based schedule. We believe that experience does matter, but even more so, we believe that some sort of recognition of experience would cut down on the principal churn that exists throughout the nation. Principals just leaving the principalship and going on to different positions, careers, whatever. And so um, we want to have some recognition uh, of experience in, in the North Carolina principal base uh, schedule. We also would like to add some statutory language that ensures a connection uh, for the principal salary schedule to the teacher salary schedule in some way so that as the teacher salary schedule grows and the assistant principal salary schedule grows we won't find ourselves so much in a uh, we won't find ourselves in a in the predicament that we were in before the new salary schedule and because there'll be a logical proportionate increase in the principal salary schedule as well the idea being that if the teacher salary schedule continues to grow and the principal salary schedule doesn't, then exactly. eventually teachers will start to make more than principals. Exactly, exactly. And, and as I said before, we already have quite a few cases that still exist that are um, in that situation. And we'll have quite a few of our principals choosing to be paid as an assistant principal or teacher rather than as a principal because of the way the new plan for principals is structured. 
We, of course, as I said, want to ensure that the hold harmless language continues for all school administrators for as long as it needs to until everybody catches up. And then we want to also work toward adding a tier for larger size schools. Um, we think topping it out at 1300 is too low because we have quite a few high schools, for example, across the state that are 1700, 2000 plus. And so we feel like we need another tier for that school size. And um, we also want to add some recognition in for principals that are in alternative schools uh, or other unique situations. Because right now, the way the, the legislation is written, if you are in an alternative school or a school that does not have enough um, uh, of a, enough factors to qualify it for a growth measure, then the principals of those schools can only qualify for the MET category. And so we want to try to address that situation. And last but certainly not least, we want to follow through on uh, what was in, stated in the legislation. We want uh, the intent to boost the AP pay by an additional 2% in 2018. We want to see that that is in fact um, uh, implemented. So, you know, we'll be looking at how this pay plan is implemented all through this year and tracking, for example, things like how many of our principals are being forced to be paid on, a, on an assistant principal schedule or a teacher schedule, how many of our principals are having to be held harmless, um, those kinds of things, just so we'll get uh, a, a picture of how this is actually playing out in the real world. And, and these are concerns that are starting to kind of uh, get around to the ears of different policymakers. Um, at a recent State Board of Education meeting, state board members were talking about some of these concerns and issues, and they're looking into it, and obviously you all are working sure. on it behind the scenes. So, so uh, does it seem like legislators are receptive to some of the, these concerns? Well, it's early. Uh, some of our legislators that we've had opportunity to uh, interact with, yes, they are, but it's just been a handful so far. Um, as you know, they have other things on their minds right now, and so we're we're waiting until some of those things get settled uh, and we can really get um, their full attention on some of these issues. And plus, we need to wait until the, the entire um, picture emerges of how this is going to play out once the growth measures are applied and, and DPI's had a chance to really calculate everyone's salaries and all of that. And you had mentioned in there the importance of, uh, you had mentioned how there's a lot of churn in principles mm -hmm. and the importance of doing things in the salary schedule to kind of reduce that. And, and you're in workshops today talking about the principal pipeline. What can you tell me about the principal pipeline? What's the situation like in North Carolina? Yeah, well, we, we, we need roughly about 350 high quality principal candidates a year. Right now, um, our superintendents, who are the primary customers of principal preparation programs, 
they tell us that they are not finding enough high quality uh, applicants for the many positions that they, that they have vacant in their districts. And so we are uh, working very hard to, number one, try to get uh, the, the, the quantity up, but more importantly, the quality. And so uh, a couple of years ago, there was a, um, a grant program that the General Assembly funded, uh, and the name of the legislation is Transforming Principal Preparation. And right now, there, uh, those, that, that program has funded six uh, really cutting-edge principal preparation programs. These six programs were selected out of um, applicants that, that numbered and, you know, we had at one time, we've had probably about 20 applicants and, and we were uh, able to fund six really high-quality programs and they are all over the state and at the, they've just started uh, they, they began serving candidates, uh, they, they chose candidates last fall, selected them, and began serving them January of 2017. And um, at the end of this school year, they will be graduating approximately 120 candidates that will be uh, licensed as principals. And these 120 um, principals that will, that will graduate will already have um, relationships with the districts that have been supporting them through their internship, through their uh, coursework, all of that. And so we feel like the districts that are partnering with these six funded programs will be in a good position to really fill some of their vacancies with just high-quality individuals. Um, the problem is it's only 120 and we we need more and so we we're going to keep working at that and and um, hopefully one day uh, we'll be able to uh, have these kinds of programs accessible to every district in the state. Um, the idea of this legislation is that over the next five years the grants uh, will will be going to promising programs who and we will be studying them and identifying what the absolute best practices are for preparing principals and then making a recommendation to the state board of education to transform all of our principal preparation programs across the state to so that they are also uh, embodying these these best practices so over the past couple of years, there seems to be a lot more attention being paid to principals um, at, at a policy level. Why do you think uh, people are, or policymakers are starting to address principals now? Well, I think uh, we educators have known for some time that it's really all about the principal. <laughs> um, you know, we hear that um, the, the, the principal is second only to the teacher. And we all know the importance of teachers and but I contend that a great principal is sometimes needed to attract great teachers to the school and if you have a school full of great teachers 
and you send a mediocre principal to the school to lead those great teachers, that school will falter and in short order those teachers will be mediocre at best as well. And so in my mind, it's all about the principal and the business community and the legislative community, they are starting to believe that as well. Um, foundations such as the Wallace Foundation, they played a huge role in bringing this notion of the importance of the principal to the entire uh, business and, and legislative community. As I said, we educators already knew that. Uh, we already knew that the fastest and most effective way to improve a school is through the principal. And so that's why there's so much attention on that role because it is critical and you won't have you won't you can't find a great school that doesn't have a great principal so well we will be watching to see how the uh, principal pay schedule works out and we'll be looking in the upcoming short session to see what else might possibly happen uh, but until then thank you so much for talking with you're us you're certainly welcome thank you my name is Alex Granados, senior reporter for Education NC. We've been talking with Shirley Prince, executive director of the North Carolina Principal and Assistant Principals Association, and you've been listening to Ed Talk. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.